0: Welcome back, everybody, to In the Loop. What is up, everybody? My name is Michael Burpo. Thanks again for listening to In the Loop. This week, we have something that we've never done before, which is a live episode. And if you've ever listened to another podcast, uh, you know that sometimes they do live episodes in front of an audience, and this is kind of our take on it. It was really a dream come true. It's something I've wanted to do for years and years, and what we did is we recorded this at the Punchmark Client Workshop in Charlotte, North Carolina, and this was uh, recorded on uh, Tuesday, April 25th, and the workshop was for the 24th and the 25th. And it was really great. We had a bunch of clients come from all over the U.S. and also from Canada and visit us for two days of intensive learning. And we had a little bit of fun too. This episode I did with uh, my recurring correspondent, Alex Schlinwine, who also known as Diamond Diaries on Instagram. And we talk all about managing her website, how she handles getting new vendors on her website, what she does if she gets an order, how she processes that. And we kind of just fielded some questions too. It was a really fun time. Uh, I'm very pleased with how it came out. And let us know if you want to hear more live episodes. All right, cheers, enjoy the episode. This episode is brought to you by Punchmark, the jewelry industry's favorite website platform. Whether you're looking for better e-commerce performance, business growth, or campaigns that drive traffic and sales, PunchMark's website and marketing services were made just for you. It's never too late to transform your business with a user-friendly, point-of-sale integrated website platform designed for growth and results. Sign up for your free demo today at punchmark.com. While you're enjoying this week's episode, take a moment and leave us a star rating on the Spotify mobile app, or if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a star rating and a review. It's the best way to help us grow and to show that you're really enjoying the show. Thanks. And now, back to the show. All right, we're going to get going in like maybe just one more minute or so. Give you guys an idea. I don't know if you guys are... You know, regular listeners, I think you guys all are because you guys are at this workshop. We run, we, Punchmark, runs a weekly podcast called In The Loop. It's all about e-commerce and digital marketing. And we're kind of starting to spin it into more like uh focusing on the jewelry industry. And the reason why is one, I selfishly really wanted to make a podcast. And uh Punchmark is going to bankroll it for me. So that's very cool. But we also created the podcast in the beginning of the pandemic under the name The Jeweler Survival Kit. We ended up switching the title after seven episodes, mainly because uh, it got a little bit of a of a bummer talking about it was all about the coronavirus and impact on the jewelry industry. And after a little while, uh, we realized that, hey man, COVID was going to be a little bit longer than we anticipated. It was going to be a little bit more all encompassing for us, and we decided to kind of pivot into talking about digital marketing, and e-commerce, because that's where we feel like we're experts on. And we wanted to kind of offer some type of education and a way to uh, reach the audience. At the time, I sort of felt like uh, there was a weird vacuum of voices in the jewelry industry. Um, I thought that there was a lot of people who I thought should have been being you know, a little bit more vocal, should have been talking. So I figured, you know what, who better to talk than uh at the time I was... Uh, 24 and trying to be a little bit louder than I needed to be. So that's kind of how we found In The Loop. But now I brought on Alex mm-hmm. from Kiefer Jewelers, one of our clients, um, to be a recurring guest on In The Loop. And we're going to do kind of like a little bit of a live episode. Um, we have a couple of little bit of notes that we're going to talk about. I want to focus a little bit more about process, um, specifically about uh, how you run your store, your website, Because you guys are doing pretty darn well with your guys' website and you guys aren't able to just do things off the seat of your pants. So without further ado, what is, give me an idea, what is your relationship and how often are you interacting with your website?
1: Okay. So, I mean, I'm insight manager almost daily at this point. And I mean, that's the cool thing about coming to the workshop, right? Is I have insight manager daily and I've watched all your training videos that you've made and everything, but I still learned so much during these two days. And I have pages of notes to go home and other things I want to implement and work on after all this. And I think like the key takeaway is like your website, it's never really done. And some other people have kind of referenced that throughout these two days. Um, it's, it's, it's always going to be a work in progress. It's always going to need updating. So it's just good to know that going into it really what you're you're taking
0: on. Yeah. So uh, Alex just referenced it. We used to do a series of training videos and uh, I, probably some of you guys remember when we did live streams, we did them uh, every Wednesday at two o'clock and we did uh, over a hundred of them and it was a lot. And we actually were really popular at the time during uh, during COVID. Everyone was locking door. They were trying to get serious about their website. And I think that my goal from a very beginning, kind of early on, I really wanted site manager to be open 24 seven on everybody's desktop all the time. And that was the relationship I hope that jewelers or your website manager was going to have with your website. I probably don't need to have that be the case all the time, but you guys are updating things constantly. You guys have blogs, you guys have um, updating inventory. Um, mm-hmm. What do you find that you're doing the most with your website?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, definitely updating inventory, Mm. um, building out landing pages, doing blogs, um, continuing to go back and update them again years down the road, too. Um, just checking everything because like no matter what you all the parameters you set in there and how much you think you have a handle on it all you know the dirty fingernail pictures end up on your website sometimes so I check it every day just to make sure all the new stuff that's getting added looks good um, and then just trying to get it better and better we are we have the gem lightbox pro I talk a lot about the gem lightbox the pro I definitely recommend the pro over the original if you have the original definitely upgrade it and I also have the gem uh, the pickup media a hub subscription where you can do a little bit of the AI uh, photo editing, and then you can get the piece on a hand or on an artificial model, and you can do their AR augmented try on feature too, which is really cool. So I'm still working on getting that built into our website, but that's kind of my my big project for this year.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, Alex is mentioning all these different things. I do think that if you try to make an entire checklist, if you're like, hey, I'm going to fix all of these things on my website. Uh, you're going to be so overwhelmed. And to me, it's just about finding like the first starting spot. It's like in a... ever played the game brick breaker it's like one of those mobile games so you just have to find the very beginning points and start kind of chipping away at it some people are farther along than others but that's okay i think images very good spot to to start um images i mean jewelry we can all admit jewelry is the most visual of products it's such a it's luxury not only luxury but it's so uh tactile that we want to see variations on on hand we want to see it on model we want to see um you know, from the front on view, we want it from the side view. And if you're not giving me all those things, like how can you reasonably expect me as a guy who is highly skeptical of everything on the web to drop, I mean, you know, you guys are offering $1,500, $3,000 on a product that I haven't ever touched. That's crazy to me. That's like such a a leap of faith if you don't have all those things.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So maybe, can you talk to me about, Your relationship with Google Analytics. So one of those things, I think statistics, very tempting for everybody in here to kind of stare at the graphs nonstop. I know I do that with not just podcast downloads, but also usage rates for our uh, for our platform. It's very tempting to kind of just stare at it constantly. Do you what's your relationship with it?
1: Yeah, I try to get in my Google Analytics as much as possible, but I will say like that's where um, it's not my strong suit. So I, I love the social media and everything, and I think I'm a little bit better with all of that. But understanding the Google side of it is um, more difficult for me. So that's why I elected to have Punchmark help me with that side. And I do their marketing program. And Stuart back there, I talk to him all the time, and he like knows so much about Google. I'm so happy to have him on my side with that. I'll send him these articles and be like, I don't know what this means. And he'll be like, here's what it means in layman's terms. And we already do this for you. And I'm like, sweet, okay. And, and Hope too is my rep with that. And we have monthly meetings and we go over my Google Analytics and they help me figure out like, what's good, what's bad, what can we work on? And there's just, there's so much to it. I mean, you could drive yourself crazy really yeah. looking into all that stuff. But it, the biggest thing I get out of the Google Analytics really is attributing my website sales. <clears throat> and um, Punch Mark's already helped me get set up on GA4 before the turnover is going to happen in July. Is that right? Yeah. Um, So I'm already running on GA4, which is really nice. And they have a lot more advanced features with the attribution. And what I mean by that is um, being able to tell where my website sales are coming from and how I got them. So it's like, you know, you turn on your shopping cart. You don't make sales the first day you turn that on. But once you do start making sales, you want to know why am I making them so I can keep feeding that, right? Like I want to know, did I make that sale from an Instagram? Instagram ad? Did I make it from a Google display ad? Did I make it from just an organic person that landed on my site? Whatever it may be, so I can know which avenues to keep feeding. So that's the really why you need to be in your Google Analytics.
0: There's a million things you can look out on there. I'm sure, just show of hands, who actually has opened up Google Analytics before? I hope most uh, most everybody that's great so what are you looking at because again you can get bogged down with so many they track everything you know what device they're using what age of the device they're using where their location is what Mm -hmm. do you find is the important part is it I know that they track bounce rate they track homepage bounce rate they talk page speed what are you looking at
1: Yeah. Like, what were they searching when they came to our site? I like Mm. to look at that. And like, we found some really interesting things and worked on it. Like I was getting a lot of just organic hits to my site for people searching for, um, when is the next Pandora free bracelet event? And I'm like, I don't really want that traffic on my website. You know, like that's not really stuff that's going to convert to a website sale. Mm. And we're kind of phasing out of Pandora now. So I went and like took off all the blog posts to talk about Pandora and tried to like scrub it off. So I'm not getting as much of that traffic. Um, um, or like I was getting hits for people looking for time and eternity watches and I'm yeah. like I don't even know what that is but I have this collection that's called time and eternity it's this little, little like diamond pendant that's got an infinity sign and people were getting to that but looking for this other thing so that's just bad traffic coming to my site so I, I took off some of that so so that's not coming because it's like I want the right visitors to my site too people that are actually looking for what I have to offer that are going to convert so yeah. that's some other
0: Do you have any golden like, like, like a golden goose kind of page like for example i think ross might have mentioned it um we had this one client he had this landing page that was like called engagement rings or something like that what you should know about it was uh very long it was like probably 30 sections long but it had so many keywords it was ranked so high by google that it was like the number one trending result for the word engagement ring in like half of the U S. So he got tons of traffic from that page that he eventually turned into sales. Um, do you got, what like does the best? Cause you have a ton of blogs, you have tons of Instagram posts. What is actually like, you know, with your attribution actually converting,
1: okay actually converting would probably just be some of my high level landing pages like my jewelry landing pages and things like that
0: shop by mood, um, very cool
1: yeah that one i don't have live yet but just like the it's helps sort like are you looking for a ring earring necklace kind of thing um or like my custom design page because it's got the form on it so i get a lot of conversion <clears throat> people filling out the form um i would say those are my top performing and then my rolex pages because everyone's eventually wanting to figure out like how can i buy a rolex from you so that all leads to uh, them putting in their information. So
0: I'm big. Uh, I want to relax. Yep. Just going to spit it out there. It's a <laughs> Rolex Submariner with a blue face and a uh, gold band, just in case any of you guys have one of those spare. Speak
1: it into existence. Would be
0: excited. <laughs> um, so let's talk. You do get a considerable number of sales above average for us. Um, this means we were, I was explaining before, you can't have a manual process if you're trying to scale a process. So anytime you rely on someone to pull a lever repeatedly, it will quickly become someone's entire job to pull that lever. And then you're just paying someone to pull a lever when you could automate the lever pulling. So that's a long extended metaphor for, um, what is your process for, for example, handling an order? You get an order in through site manager. How do you handle that?
1: So yeah, so I think having like as many of the plugins that are already available to us is huge for taking like decreasing the amount of hands that have to touch everything, right? Mm. So we have the clear sale plugin. So that helps obviously with making sure you feel comfortable shipping that, that order, right? Fraud protection. So fraud protection. Yep. So we have clear sale. So I don't do anything till it passes clear sale. Uh, once it passes clear sale, I have the EDT2, um, you know, bi-directional. So the sale automatically uploads to the Edge for me. I just have to hit web sale, plug it in and complete the sale, hmm. make sure everything looks good. Um, I do have my website set up as its own store in the Edge too, which I highly recommend. Oh, so it's store 98 in the Edge for me so that I can easily track on my website sales separate from my store numbers. Um, we also pay our people based on like gross profit and they have store goals and things like that. So it, the website sales don't help towards their their team goals, which is kind of how we wanted it since it is. We we look at it as a totally different entity, essentially, as our brick and mortar locations. So I ring it up. Then I have um, an inventory girl that goes and pulls the product and then packs it up and ships it out. And then you can update inside of you know your site manager with the tracking information. It automatically sends an email to the customer with their tracking information. And that's pretty much it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we've heard, I've heard from a couple of our clients, though, um, with sales representatives being uh, a little salty about online sales. Right. Um, because a sales rep usually getting paid by commission um, for in store sales. And then maybe they are selling, selling, selling this person. And then that person is like, all right, let me think about it. They go home in the comfort of their own home at one o'clock in the morning in their pajamas and they make that order. Right. And then that salesperson might get stiffed. Yeah. Uh, How do you handle that? Is it just kind of a tough or what do you do?
1: No, so I did make um, coupon codes for all of my sales associates. So if they do talk to someone over the phone or maybe they clientele them but they are out of town or they want to ship the order to a friend somewhere else, they can say, hey, use my coupon code. They're going to get credit for the sale and then everybody's happy. So that's kind of how we've worked around that so that everyone, you know, feels encouraged to help with it.
0: Yeah. yeah. There's nothing worse than like having someone fight against themselves. Yeah. You know, we definitely, we, we want our salespeople to work as a team and we want the team to support the salespeople instead of having them at odds. Yeah. So that's definitely a good solution. And now what about signing up with a, a new vendor? You know, hypothetically, someone signs up with one of the vendors here, Inox and uh, Classic Grown Diamond, shout outs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, someone signs up with them. What is the process of getting them onto your website? I mean, it's gotta be a lot of steps.
1: Yeah, well I love when they already have the the plug-in with punchmark and I'm just going and clicking to add the the brand page mm-hmm. and maybe the products to my website. Um that's always a question I ask a vendor before I decide to go into business with them is can you provide me with high-res images of all of your items? And if the answer is no, I might rethink working with them. Wow. So luckily I don't think we have that issue with the vendors that are here. But that's definitely if you are a vendor listening to this, that is something that I highly recommend you make a top priority is to have a Images. Um, And then if I do need to build it out, I'm obviously going to ask for their logo and um, a little snippet about their company so that I can add that as a brand page. And then it's super easy. Now you can just do the vendor mapping um, inside of your site manager. And then once those items come into the edge, they're going to map to your website under that brand. And that's about it.
0: Wow. Yeah. So when you, let's just say, like you go to a show, uh, you sign up with uh, a new vendor, Mm -hmm. what do you think that the reasonable expectation turnaround? for getting it onto your website is.
1: That's a good question and I've had to think about that lately because we've actually added two new collections recently and I planned um, launch parties to coincide with that. So I gave myself about a month cushion of when I thought the product would arrive in store and when I was ready to fully like have it live on the website, have ready to have social media assets, all that good stuff because it takes time, right? Like my inventory girl might call out sick one day and then we need to get it tagged. We need to get it in the case. Like I wanted to make sure everything was good. So I gave myself a month. I could probably push myself and get it. It all done in two weeks if I had to. Mm. But I like to give a month if you are ever like adding something and you want to plan a party or something like that. So a
0: month. If you guys sign up, <laughs> one of these people, you have one month, the timer starts ticking right away. Yes. So the whole dally. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the last one is, um, so what's your process, for example, with events? You just mentioned you have launch parties. I think those mm-hmm. are fantastic. But let's talk about, um, we had one of our sponsors here at National Rarities. They yeah. do uh, estate buying. And then, but we also have like the classic trunk show. Yeah. Um, how do you, is there... A promotion strategy for them that you kind of usually adhere to?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I love when companies like National Rarities do some of the marketing for you. Mm-hmm. They actually okay. take out an ad in my newspaper and pay for it themselves, which is really cool. But um, I love, I do a lot of digital advertising, so I'll always do like a social media ad, try to target it at least to my current followers or people that have been to my website recently. Um, and then I'll do email blasts. I do consecutive email blasts, like warming up to it. So my first email blast is always like hey bookmark your calendar this event is coming mm. second blast is like make it's time to make your appointment third blast is like it's one week away. And then the last one is the events tomorrow, you know, so I'm like giving people lots of reminders and warming them up. And then each the body of the email might talk about more specifics of the event and what the benefits are of it each time too. Um, I do the text campaigns through client book too. So I'll do a mass text to all my, everyone that signed up for texting from me and a, mirroring a lot of that same messaging that I send through through email too. And then obviously a lot of organic. So like to do a lot of reels and TikToks and like Lots of uh, getting in the stories, talking about it. But of course, like getting your people excited about stuff and talking about it in the store is still like worth its weight in gold in comparison to all the marketing. So I never run an event that my team is not behind as well. Mm. So if they don't want to do it, I'm not doing it. And then we're talking about it in store and trying to incentivize my team for making a successful event as well. So,
0: yeah. And so you have a couple of like what I call like a power up. So to be completely transparent I'm obsessed with trying to figure out what the correlations between our numerous you know, 450 plus clients and success, success meaning lots of e-commerce sales. And I'm trying to figure out um, what is the most common um, data points that are relevant or prominent along the uppermost sales um, in our client base. And the number one thing I have found so far is clients that have a financing form. So I know you have a firm, Um, you previously had Sezzle, Mm -hmm. Um, also now with crew. Uh, Can you kind of maybe quickly walk us through those and how they've elevated you in different ways?
1: Yeah, for sure. So Sazzle so and firm, they're pretty similar and they're like, you can set both of them up with a couple of clicks inside of your site manager, which is awesome. Um, and it's basically financing that can be provided straight through your website. You do not even have to be aware of any of it. The customer is all doing it behind the scenes, getting pre-approved. And I believe there's some options you can pick from too, as far as if you want it to have interest or no interest options too. Mm. Um, crew is a new one that I just added that I'm really excited about. Uh, Missouri actually has it on their website, so I kind of copied it from them. But it's basically, it's not financing. It doesn't require a credit check. And it's for someone that's not ready to make a purchase yet. So the wording on, on my product page is, not ready to buy just yet, save up, earn rewards and save up for your purchase. And it can be saving up either for like a specific item from us or just a generic amount towards a purchase with us. And they can select the item later. They can do it in store or online. And it's all done through a crew. It's basically set up as like an auto draft from there checking account and they get to set, you know, how much they want withdrawn and whatever time frame. I can also see like, if people are getting close to their savings goals, I can throw in a little bit more rewards and say like, Hey, if you go ahead and like finish funding your account today, I'll give you an extra $10 in rewards on your purchase if Mm -hmm. you do it now. So if I need to like hit a goal for the month or something like that, I can incentivize people. And when they hit it, they get issued a American express visa, like gift card. And then we process that the same that we would other, you know, Amex or Visa. So it's super easy. And um, Punchmark was able to help me get that enabled on my site super easily. Um, So I'm excited to see. I literally just went live with that. So I don't have any uh, results to share yet, but I'm super excited about that.
0: Yeah. It's like you want to accept the money in whatever way you can, you know, whether someone's going to come in with dollars or or Visa or whatever you're going to do, you got to be able to accept it. But I really do believe that Having these payment methods and also a financing option at some point is very important to like prolong e-commerce success. I think it's because right now it's available in so many different spots, specifically Buy Now, Pay Later with Affirm and Sezzle, two of our partners. Uh, they are so popular and so widely available that if you're not offering them, and someone needs it. They are going to go somewhere else. Yep. And that is just unfortunately the, the matter of online sales is that they don't have to, you know, get in their car and drive 30 minutes down the road. They literally get in their laptop and go to the next site. And that is just how it was. So you need to be offering these options. So let's talk, um, maybe we can set up and going into some questions from your Instagram DMs in a second. Um, I think that we're also going to take, maybe if you guys have some, it'll look really cool in the recording. If you guys have maybe a Q and a that you guys could shout out at us at the end. So think of one or two, make us look really good. Um, maybe one thing we can quickly cover while we're about to get ready for, um, these DMS is talking about your relationship with vendors. You are, you know, well known by us for carrying Rolex, which is um, very difficult to carry. I'm sure you guys are aware they don't just go into every store. Uh, but you guys also have a lot of other prominent lines. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that relationship with? Do you have a dedicated person that talks to them? How do you kind of manage those expectations?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's not an easy answer because every vendor is different. And as we all know, some vendors are worth more of a headache than others are, and they know who they are. But um, it's a joint effort. I will say, like, my mom is our merchandiser for our company, so she handles the bulk of it, but it definitely is a group effort. We like our team to be super hands-on, and I was telling some other people here that like we let our team pick a lot of the merchandise and uh, collections that we carry if they're not excited about it they're not going to sell it Um, we they all wanted to get Vahan again recently and so we told them okay you guys need to move ten thousand dollars at cost of dated inventory and then we'll get Vahan back and I've never seen them work so hard towards (laughs) a goal they were pushing stuff and they hit that goal so fast so Uh we just got Vahan back and we're having our launch party next weekend actually wow Uh, yeah so so yeah so it's definitely collaborative, I guess, working with vendors, but we like to ask a lot of questions up front. Like I said before, like making sure they have images, uh, making sure they're going to be able to do stock balancing, give us memo as much Mm. as possible. Like we want partnerships. And I think we're at the point where we don't need more vendors. We actually want to like decrease the amount of vendors we have and we want the best vendors we can have. Uh, So that's really kind of where we're at at this point. Yeah.
0: And what about like, going to jewelry shows, because that's where most retailers are going to be picking up their new lines, is going to a retail show and then, you know, determining it from there. So how do you involve your team in that? Do you Mm -hmm. like FaceTime them? Like, hey... We're thinking about signing up with these people? Or we
1: send up? our people to shows. We've been oh. sending, like, I have a two-year-old, like most of you guys know, and I just really want to be home with my daughter a lot more right now. I've been going to jewelry shows since I was 14 years old, so I'm getting a little burnt out from all of it. So my team loves to go, so we rotate it. They have to come back and give a one-hour presentation about what they learned at the show and what they Love saw, it. and then we give them a little, a little budget to spend while they're there. Nice. And they get to tell customers, like, I picked this piece, and that those pieces always do better than things that we pick for it too. And they're the ones talking to customers day in and day out mm. and know what people want much better than I do. I'm really not on the sales floor a whole lot anymore. So mm. for me to be buying stuff, I would be a little out of touch at this point. So
0: when, when do you typically bring on a vendor? So like the buying season is very specific to mm. uh, a part, parts of the year. Do you pick it in the dead zone or do you kind of pick it right before the excitement starts so that people are most excited
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely around shows, you know, so we're doing a lot of our buying at shows every once in a while, especially some of our brands come out with seasonal collections. So Then we're going to buy the seasonal collections throughout the year, but pretty much by September, I would say, like Mm -hmm. nothing really new is coming in anymore at that point. So it's more like... Front half of the year, interesting. Yeah.
0: So vendors playing around that. Um, <laughs> yeah, think maybe, they know that. <laughs> yeah, I Honestly, I don't know. I'm the most interested in this, so I'm the one that's learning <laughs> this for it. the first time. Um, maybe we can do these questions from um, from your Instagram DM.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah, and I'm live right now on my Instagram for Hello, everyone that's there. Everybody. So if you, oh yay, people are like waving and saying stuff. I can't quite read it all, but if you guys have questions on Instagram, feel free to chat in. Um, I did have a couple in my DMs. I want to make sure to answer some of the. We talked about a little bit, but somebody asked me, like, how do I handle getting an item removed? Like when it sells either in-store or online. Mm -hmm. And um, I know some people that might be watching on Instagram or listening to this don't know about how punch mark and the edge work together. And I, that's why I'm just always talking about if you are getting a new website or work with a website developer that works with your point of sale system. If you don't, aren't, you're not cohesive with those. Yeah. And it's so huge to make sure that you have those plugins so you're not uh, pulling the lever Pull the levers, every time. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so that's what I love. The EDT2 does all of that instantly. My website and the edge are talking almost hourly and something that sells in store is coming off my website almost simultaneously. And if it sells online, it immediate, immediately just says it's like pending or it doesn't allow you to try to buy it again. Yeah, I have had a one time where something sold online, and it then I just didn't get it to like pulling out of the case in time. And then it sold in-store. And of course, it was something that couldn't be ordered, Ugh. too. So we've had one upset customer in about four years of doing e-com. So, you know, just know that like that could happen and it's not the end of the world. You A live. risk so.
0: we're willing to take. Exactly. Yeah. So it's rare. And if you guys aren't yet, um, we're live on Instagram. So this is, um, Alex is running an Instagram that's all dedicated to um, kind of the retail jeweler lifestyle, which Part of the reason why we um, asked Alex to come on is uh, as a, return, a recurring guest is because we are trying to speak to um, the next generation of, of jewelers just as much as we are uh, the current store owners. We want to prep them to be ready for um, owning their stores and like what they should be focused on. And we find that a lot of these younger, typically, uh, next generation owners are more willing to listen to us when we say things like, hey, If you're not, you know, advertising online in some type of way, like how do you expect to get a online sale? And that's kind of why we're trying to reach that next generation of jewelers when they are prepared to kind of take over ownership of the store.
1: Yeah, for sure. I know one of the other questions I got is, um, do I put everything on my website? Mm. And yes, I can't say I have 100% of all my items on my website right now, but we're probably about 95%. And that includes all my estate jewelry too. So I wanted to be 100% live inventory on my site too. So, but I do think it's a process, right? I've been working on this for years now. We were, we just had like the perfect timing where we rebuilt our site in 2019, right before COVID and the shutdown. So during the shutdown, we had some good time to just focus on it. We already had the gem light box. So that's what we were doing all day during quarantine. (laughs) So it was just good timing. Um, But I would just batch it out. Start vendor by vendor, you know, getting your images and getting stuff on your website. And that mentality might not be the best mentality for you, too. So figure out, like, start with your best sellers. Start with the things that you think are going to work best on the website. um, And then just go from there because it's going to be a project. It's a work in progress. So.
0: Yeah. And we also see um, that whatever price you expect to be your average cart value. So a lot of people think oh, I'm only going to ever sell like fine jewelry, like very, very on the cheaper end of things, so like the hundred to two hundred dollar line, um, the average cart value for checkout right now is uh, for our system is right around four hundred and sixty-five dollars. Good to know. So it's actually growing every just about every single month over month. It grows by about five to ten dollars. And if you look back about one year, maybe two years, we were looking at about four hundred dollars for average cart uh, checkout. So you can see that the consumer trust in online shopping is increasing, especially around uh, jewelry. And I, I mean, I can't even credit jewelry exclusively for that, that change. I honestly think it has to do with, I mean, you can buy a car online if you wanted to, you could even go so far as to, um, you know, buy your engagement ring completely online. Uh, I know several people that have done that. And what I'm saying is, if you think that the only thing you should have on your website is, you know, fine jewelry or less expensive jewelry, I think that you should be willing to kind of consider pushing the upper limits. Um, you know, the every now and then we see someone sell a $15,000, you know, ring or bracelet or something very expensive and uh, it passes through clear sale and fraud protection. And when it gets approved, we all celebrate a little bit. It's very exciting. Um, so I think that that's probably my challenge to you guys is, Whatever you think that you can sell online, you should probably just push it a little bit more. Have someone on the upper limits of it, and I think you'd be surprised.
1: For sure. Mm. Okay, cool. One more that I had um, was how do I handle like age and fast sellers, Mm. which I didn't totally understand exactly where they were going with this one. But I don't really look at turn on the website, obviously, because it's all – I just – Analyze my inventory turn for my stores separately from that. But I use my website as a vehicle for getting rid of aged inventory using that specials tab. So all you have to do is edit the current price in the edge. It'll automatically upload into Punchmark as on sale for that current price, show you the retail and the current. And you'd be surprised how I did a series for a while that was called Markdown Monday. And I was adding new stuff to that every Monday for a while. And customers were like on that at 9 a.m. Every Monday trying wow. to see what new was new and marked down. And then I did email blasts and stuff to support it too. And my even my employees were like, Mark Down Monday, let me go see what she marked down. Wow. And our age inventory is at a really healthy number with tactics like that. So that's another way you can use your website just to help get messaging out to your clients. And the more they're going back to your website, the better. So
0: because this is punchmark, you know, client. You know, specific here. Um, one of the cool things that we have built into it is what Alex was mentioning with the specials tab. So you have a URL that's built into your website that's slash specials, and I say like so. It's whatever your uh, your root is. So mikedemo.com. And then slash specials, and that is a dynamic link that will automatically populate a grid with any products that you have on sale. So what Alex was mentioning with um, going in and editing something down or marking it down, then as soon as it pushes up to the uh, website, which, you know, depending on what your integration level is with the edge, it could be higher or lower. Uh, it will automatically populate there. And that tab is dynamic. So you can have in your navigation, for example, just a, uh, a link that says like on sale. And if you have that in your nav, like just kind of like also what Cole had mentioned with Inox, if you want to sell something, maybe just have a root navigation item for it and it'll be focused on. Mm-hmm. Instead of hiding everything under one navigation item that is called jewelry, maybe have one that says specials Jewelry and then men's jewelry or whatever you're trying to focus on. And I do think, you know, sometimes you got to really lead the horse to water at some point. Yeah, very true. Get your questions in if you want them. People on the live.
1: Okay, it says, do you ship online sales through G4S? So we have we do our insurance through um, Jewelers Mutual. So they yeah. use this thing called we use this thing called the Zing platform to make our labels basically, and it's really cool because it tells you, um, you know, this is how much it's going to cost through UPS, FedEx, and USPS, and then obviously we pick the cheapest one. So that's what we use for making our labels.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know it can be really intimidating um, putting something in the mail. I'm sure all you jewelers know that, but uh, I. Do you think that it's kind of a tried and true process? And it seems yeah, like you've taken we have insurance. Steps. Yep. So you know? it's, I
1: can't say a package hasn't been lost before. We file an insurance claim, mm-hmm. get it replaced. You know, it's not the end of the world.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one more thing, I guess. We've got a couple and then we'll start wrapping it up. And if you guys have any uh, Q&As, we'll definitely take them at the end. But one question was... Um, what is your like current project that you're working on with your website? Because like we had talked about before, um, it can be really daunting to go, especially from this workshop and be like, wow, I need to go and do all my images and all my products and I need to update my home pages and my landing pages and all the everything in between. Um, maybe we just kind of focus on just one right now or three after Ross. Um, what is your kind of one thing right now?
1: Yeah, I think definitely like just building out more landing pages mm-hmm. like you just can't have enough landing pages i'm very excited about that custom design wizard i definitely want that that looks really slick and ross you've encouraged me to like get back into blogging again i will say that i let that slide for a little while so i definitely want to get back into my blogs like hardcore again so that's probably what i'm going to take away from this but i've always got something i'm working on so yeah
0: any questions from the crowd yeah what's up
1: what would you say your biggest obstacle has been with like setting up uh, slash like growing your e commerce business? Yeah, that's a good question, especially because I think there's this really false conception that you're just going to turn on your shopping cart and start making sales and like that doesn't happen you still have to market it and it's going to take time and you're going to make mistakes and there's going to be stuff on your website that you didn't want on your website and just give yourself grace through all that and like it's okay to not like always have it be perfect like just it just keep working on it learn from the things that come up trust your judgment, especially if you have something like sketchy coming through, like, you know, when something feels like you probably shouldn't ship it, if you don't choose to have the clear sale, you know, so just trust your gut and just take it piece by piece. Um, and don't give up on it. Like it's taken me years to get to this point, you know, so it's definitely something that you have to stay focused and dedicated to, or it's not going to work. But I will say too, that it's not all just about making e-commerce sales. Like I will say at this point, we probably we don't have a day go by where a customer doesn't come in and say, I want this ring I saw on your right. website and the sales already 90% closed and they're just trying it on, making sure they like it and buying it. So there's a lot of other benefits to having inventory on your website and to keeping your website up to date other than just selling online. So.
0: Do you attribute that to an online sale or do you attribute that to the in-store sale?
1: Yeah, so that's where like attribution gets so tricky. So the sale will hit for the, the store at that point, um, but then I use the YN in drop-down feature in the Edge to try to hope that my salespeople pick the right thing for that, which would be website. Lenny up so. there,
0: just thumbs yes. up on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions? What's the most surprising thing to be sold on via? Oh, that's good <laughs> Love it. <laughs>
1: one of my best sellers is this like octopus necklace from Galatea. Wow. It is the weirdest thing ever when we bought it. Like they told us you have to get this. Mm-hmm. It's the best, it's the best seller in our line. And I'm like, that thing is weird. That's crazy. And it's not only, <laughs> not only a best seller in our store, but it continues to flip online too. Wow. Like obviously because people are searching octopus necklace <laughs> and finding our website, I'm shipping it to New I York and time Wa- Washington all over the place. There's that. And then, I don't know this is super random but one item that I've sold over and over on the website is this wolf um, like you know the wolf watch rolls I have one that's the British green racing color and you have to buy them in bulk actually I buy like packs of 12 of them and I guess a lot of people just don't sell them online single like single versions of them so that pops all the time and it's $99 and I sell that like multiple a month which is so random so yeah so you just never really know Good question,
0: Vincent. What is your favorite uh, non-paid marketing thing that you have done, or I would say, what, what would you think more? your most successful.
1: Oh gosh, like a specific campaign or uh,
0: something that you like? What was your
1: like uh, something your favorite that you've done that you didn't pay for to do? Because you do a lot. I know that's a tough. If there's one that you liked more than others, the one that was more successful. Well, my favorite thing that I just did that, like, I think should have broken the internet and it didn't, but I just had fun doing it was for Halloween, me and my mom dressed up as bank robbers and pretended to rob our own jewelry store. And that was like just so much fun to make. I just love that my mom was so down to do that with me. So that was probably just the most fun I had doing it, Um, like making a video. But definitely like all my videos about custom and engagement rings, like the ones where you have to guess the price and or guess what the gemstone is like those get the most interactions and the most, you know, leads from that kind of stuff, especially when it's like something unique then people will be like, I want a black diamond engagement ring. How do I make one? You know? So that's the stuff that I probably get the most traction off of mm-hmm. or all the stuff about permanent jewelry. That stuff just pops off. And yeah. then I always get people coming in saying, I saw that reel about this girl getting a permanent bracelet. I want to get one. So that's probably like the highest converting content I've had
0: recently. Is permanent jewelry, is yeah. that that's still a thing right now? Yeah. It's, it's still going? Oh yeah. I was mm-hmm. like, honestly, I, I we thought about maybe just making an episode on it and it seemed like no one had a figure out yet so we didn't make the episode and I'm like worried I missed I well missed Caleb incredible. has it
1: figured out the best so maybe you should interview right, him Caleb. for that episode all
0: right, all right. <laughs> that sounds honestly it's very interesting and I think that it's probably not going to go away for a little bit so yeah it's good anything it's been- else out there we see some coming in from the chat
1: somebody said, what percentage of total sales are from your website? Yeah. So <clears throat> I will say my st- brick and mortars are high volume, especially with having Rolex. So right now I'm a, I'm, my website does about 2%. So it's a very low percentage in comparison to brick and mortar, but it's competing against some big dollars. So I, I like to keep that in mind. Um, but just so you guys know some like general numbers to maybe kind of base off for yourself. And I have I doubled over a year, doubled every year in revenue on the website the past three years. But this year I'm starting to see a little pullback, which I'm very sad about. Mm. But there's definitely uh, some of that is, is showing with the, the rumors of maybe a pullback on online and maybe in the jewelry business, too. I'm seeing it on my website. So mm. something for, for you guys to know. Um, of course, I'm just always trying to figure out how to work around all that and just continue to grow it. But um, but yeah.
0: Anything else? you guys have been a great audience i do appreciate it it makes me feel i wanted to do a live episode literally since I started making podcasts a while ago. Um, This is my favorite part of my job. I've told my bosses that before and they think that's, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, that a podcast is my favorite part of my job. But I really do enjoy it. I feel, especially when I get a chance to meet people that have listened to me in ramble in the past, I sometimes forget that I share so much on it. Someone mentioned uh, my sneakers and I was like, wow, how'd you know I like sneakers? And they're like, oh, you talk about it all the time. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so cringe. But uh, I really... Really do appreciate it. This is uh, this episode will come out and air in about two weeks or so, and we'll have a whole vlog episode where I've been documenting. You've probably seen me with a little mic. I've been documenting this entire uh, workshop. And then this episode will be either before or after it, depending on the schedule. And uh, if you guys aren't listening to it, maybe just give it a shot or listen to this episode in particular, or listen back. Um, we're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you'll also find us a lot of times in uh, the education tab of your site manager. And you guys can always listen back. Uh, we update that every uh, quarter or so. Um, anything else, Alex, before we wrap
1: I don't think so. I think we hit him with a lot.
0: Yeah. Diamond Diaries. <laughs> Go yes. give uh, Alex a follow on Instagram. Um, she's always posting stuff uh, in just honestly, the fact that you're willing to try out things. And um, I know firsthand from having tried a million different things that it doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you think, like you said, sometimes you think you're going to break the internet and uh, sometimes it just flops down and mm-hmm. it just, that's kind of a pain in the neck and always a little bit demoralizing, yeah. but you have to keep trying. You have to be, keep trying new things. Uh, same thing with trying new vendors it's like hey you think that this is going to be the next big big thing and maybe it's not and then but at the same time maybe you'll have one that's you know a silent sleeper and it's going to show up and just really uh, kind of rock your show floor so hopefully that goes well alright thanks everybody hey clap this up yeah yeah, applause. Wow. yeah! <laughs> hey they're clapping if you can't hear it in the microphone trust me thank you everybody Alright, everybody, that's the end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, We've been wanting to do a live episode for a really long time when we finally got the opportunity. This week's episode was brought to you by Punchmark and produced and hosted by Michael Burpo. My guest this week was Alex Schlinwein, also known as Diamond Diaries on Instagram. This episode was edited by Paul Suarez with music by Ross Cockrum. Don't forget to rate the podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and be on the lookout for another episode on Tuesday. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate your time. Bye.